it's another episode of Talking Bollocks. Yes, that's right, you are here, I am here, we are here, we're all... Yeah, we're all stuck inside, aren't we, eh? Uh, what have you been up to? Nothing? Yeah. Same here. <laughs> Apart from those of you who are key workers, um, who have kept working through the uh, the current crisis um, in... And obviously I'm speaking to everybody in every country that's listening to this and um, just thanking you for your work, thanking you... Uh, for keeping everything going, I think um, I, I I do. It, one thing that surprised me about all of, well, not surprised me about all of this, but I, I that is cool about all of this is that people who usually get taken for granted um, are now key workers, and um, we've started treating people who work at supermarkets, pick up our rubbish, clean streets, all these other bits and pieces. We're trying to we're starting to treat them a little better, and say thank you to them. When we, uh, we're, you know, when we use the facilities or whatever it is that we're doing, um, and that's certainly that's certainly a positive aspect to all of this. But anyway, hey, that is not how a Talking Bollocks podcast starts, is it? This is how it starts. Hello, it's the Rampant Ego. It's Howard Smith. Hello, Howard H. Smith, singer of Acid Rain, UK thrash band, first album for twenty nine years came out last year, and it's damn fine too, even if I say so myself. But don't take my word for it. Take everybody else's. Ah. Um, I also do stand-up comedy as the character Keith Platt. Um, you can catch up with Keith on social media. You can catch up with me on social media through Talking Bollocks. You can catch up with Acid Rain on social media. So there you go. It's all there. It's all in there for you. Come join the party. And then, of course, there's the patrons. Patreon is a uh, an option for you. If you want more podcasts, if you want behind-the-scenes extras to do with Acid Rain, if you want your own, very own, um, made-for-you podcast, if you want to be able to ask questions of the guests in advance, then you can do that. It just costs $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Come join the fun. So, um, and I'm getting a, a shitload of stuff up there at the moment. There's also the exclusive Radio Bollocks, the radio show that I do. That is going to be, that's for patrons only. So if you sign up there, you get that as well. Uh, anyway, look, you know, it's all out there for you. Um, hope you enjoyed Movie Bollocks. Hope you enjoyed the first episode of Movie Bollocks that I put out. Um, that was, uh, yeah, has had some good reaction. Very different, not the normal kind of thing I would do. Um, and, it, it, you know, further down the line, it will be interviews with musicians and things like that. So that's all cool. But at this time, I just thought, hey, we've got some, got some business people here. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, why not? Um, had an opportunity to interview him, so I did. There you go. Now, how do we usually continue the podcast? That's right. What has been happening in the world of metal this month? Um, all sorts, all sorts. Um, let's, uh, I mean, I, I, and obviously I'm just picking the odd story here and there as I always do, but I don't know if any of you are aware that David Draymond's performance on The Sound of Silence, they do a cover version of that, is perhaps the greatest rock vocal ever. That is high praise indeed. And it's coming from a very, very, very credible source. I mean, I don't know about anyone else here, yeah? But when I'm looking for new albums or I'm thinking about, you know, trying to get get into new bands and stuff like that, do you know whose seal of approval really means a lot to me? Yeah, that's right. You know, right? You know. You know what I'm going to say. I mean, we're all the same, aren't we? We all, we all, all hang on every word to do with music that Russell Crowe says. Actor Russell Crowe. Yeah, the key word in there being actor. Yeah, okay, he's entitled to his opinion, but it's just fucking wrong, that's all I'm saying. 
I mean, seriously. It's not even... Oh, just... There's so much wrong with that, isn't it? Like, perhaps the greatest rock vocal ever. Says fucking... Honestly, good old Russell Crowe. So, um, so yeah, apparently uh, David Draymond and Russell Crowe are now best buds. Bum chums, as we'd say, in the past, back in the day. Don't say that anymore, though, because that would be naughty. Uh, I've got a sense of humour. Hopefully you have as well. Um, so... Um, and obviously it wouldn't be a bollo cast, would it? Without mentioning the one, the only, that's right, KISS. And if you thought the coronavirus was going to stop KISS making money out of you, you were wrong. KISS is selling special stay-at-home t-shirts in support of the out-of-work concert crew members. Now, do you know what? Fair enough. 100% of net profit generated from the purchase of the shirt go directly to tour managers, production managers, riggers, sound engineers, backline techs, lighting directors, designers, special effects teams, carpenters, um, you know, and, and, and presumably, you know, that's that's everybody who works on the KISS team. Um, so there you go. I, I'm, yeah, that's right. This is a positive KISS story, you know, fair play. I actually think that that is really, really cool. Um, Thing is, it was actually Live Nation's idea. <laughs> but anyway, look, if 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 the if money's going to the people who deserve it and and need it, um, then that's all good. Uh, certainly, a group of people who will be um, who'd be uh, probably missed out by their their own governments because there seems to be all sorts of different uh, ways of compensating people who are not able to work at the moment due to the virus. So um, so look, it's a positive story. Fair play. Initially, when I did see it, I thought, oh, fucking hell, what a Kiss done now. And actually, it's actually Kiss and Live Nation doing something pretty cool. But not everyone is as cool as that, are they? Ticketmaster, under fire for adjusting language regarding refund policies on cancelled, postponed and rescheduled events. Yeah, um, I mean, Ticketmaster have never been my favourite people. Um, and it's just, it doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. Um... You know, here's their statement. Given the unprecedented circumstances, event organisers are constantly assessing the situation and making determinations regarding refunds. If your event is not currently enabled for refunds, check back later as this status may change. Um, the refund policy language change comes a day after Wisconsin man sued StubHub, the biggest marketplace for uh, tickets, because the company dropped its refund policy, offering instead to issue coupons worth 120% of the purchase price in lieu of refunds. StubHub said the company had changed its long-standing refund policy because the coronavirus crisis impact on touring industry had put the company in an untenable position. We're facing significant timing delays in recouping uh, funds from thousands of uh, sellers on our platform. They expect these challenges to continue for the coming months. So, yeah, I mean, not ideal. Um, but again, I, I, you know, basically events can't be cancelled until the government says you can't have that event because then the people who are running the event can claim on their insurance. So if you are seeing events and thinking, there's no way that's going to happen. The reason it hasn't been cancelled is because they need to hear from the government. They need clear language as to whether their, you know, their gathering is of too many people and therefore can't go ahead. And as soon as that is confirmed, then they will confirm cancellation uh, or rather not cancellation, rescheduled, I would have thought. Anyway, anyway, that was exciting, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really odd times at the moment. I mean, I, you know, I, I know you know that. I know that. We're fucking sat here talking to each other right now in the insanest of conditions. Um, and uh, and yeah, yeah, and you've got an interview coming up with, done with, um, with Sean Killian under the exact 
um, same conditions, although he is a, uh, he's a key worker and still working, as you will hear in a little bit. But um, it's been interesting, uh, just look at, excuse me, I need a bit of a drink. I'm drying up here. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting seeing all the bits and pieces that everyone is trying to do just to uh, just to pass the time and you know very you know bands putting t-shirts out like you know anti-coronavirus and all the rest of it and um yeah i mean we've got we've got some things up our sleeve um have uh, acid rain and we will we'll be dropping those in um uh, as and when but obviously that is my band and not everybody who listens to the to the podcast is is an acid rain fan and i wouldn't i wouldn't make that assumption because um i'd be wrong i know some of you are not interested that's fine so let's move on live concerts may not return until um autumn 2021 or as our americans cousins would call it fall yes us brits we call it autumn from the latin autumnus um there you go whereas uh, americans call it fall because leaves fall off the trees right that's a that's a joke at the expense of our American friends. And for those of you who are listening in North America, my apologies. Didn't mean to take the Mickey out of you. I'm sure none of you are as stupid as those silly hunts in Mich- Michigan protesting the lockdown. I need to get to work and support my family. Alternative, mate, you could bring the virus home and kill your family. You don't seem to have thought this through, you cockend. Um... Yeah, I mean, look, it's impossible to do a podcast right now. If you're listening to this in the future and thinking, oh, fucking hell, oh, it's going on about... Look, it's impossible to do a anything at the moment without talking about the situation. And so it's bound to seep into the podcast. I'm sorry, that's not what you came here for, I'm sure. You've come you've come here for something else. So do you know what? Let's fucking, let's crack on, shall we? Um, Dave Alefson on the new Megadeth album. This is Next Level Beyond Dystopia. Yes. Well, as much as I like talking to Dave when he was on the podcast, I have to say that this is the man who said that uh, Supercharger was going to be an absolutely uh, old school, heavy killer of a Megadeth album. Um, and Dave Mustaine said that Junior was saying this and he's usually a really good judge of what the stuff is like. And then the album came out it was a massive flop because it was shit. Yeah. Super Cunter, it should have been called. Rather smear shit in my ears. But anyway, um, uh, and then after the album comes out and it doesn't do very well, um, Mustaine says, oh, well, what it was, label interference and they wanted it a little bit more radio friendly and he was kicking himself for doing it like he didn't learn the first time around when he did it with euthanasia. And he's oh, kicking himself for doing it, blah, blah. And I was thinking, right, OK, but what about all that stuff you said about Junior having a good ear for it and it being really heavy and all that? So that's all bullshit, is it, Dave? Turns out it was all fucking bullshit. So now we've got Dave Lefson saying that the next album is going to be next level beyond dystopia. And do you know what that means to me? Absolutely nothing, I'm afraid, because... Because Dave's, uh, and, and we're talking Lfson here, his previous statement about super uh, about Supercharger means his every single word is tainted about future material as far as I'm concerned. that He got that so wrong, it couldn't be right. So let's get that clear. Has to be put to one side. Sorry, not good enough. Not good enough. Hey, mind you, that is slightly better than... Uh, a story of Dave Mustaine walking his small horse, which um, <laughs> which is still still one of my favourite news stories of the fucking year so far. Another piece of news just out. Um, again, guests uh, on the show. Uh, Nervosa, remember? Nervosa were, were on a few years ago now um, and have just split. 
Um, it seems to be amicable, 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 amicable. Um, and um, it's it, yeah, it just seems to be one of those things where they've just hit hit a wall and decided, you know what, we're we're just yeah, we're moving on. So yeah, they've moved on. That's the way it is. And um, yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning a because they've been on the show, and also like you know, all female three piece death metal bands do not come <laughs> along very often, um, and certainly not good ones. So um, yeah, I mean I, that's definitely a band who've kicked down a few walls for. Um, uh, for female artists within metal and death metal, and that's certainly worth mentioning. Um, and yeah, I just think it's 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 a shame, isn't it? It's a shame, especially you know when when any when any band splits up, it's a shame. Um, but it seems to be it seems to be all good. They have you know they're they're all on, they're all on speaking terms. It's just one of those things. So you know. Um, another story that was happening. Don't hold your breath for rec- reconciliation between Vivian Campbell and Wendy Dio, sends, says Vinny Apersey. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his surname. Um, yeah, basically, uh, he added, um, but I, I think a reconciliation would have happened maybe if Ronnie was alive, because musically it was between Viv and Ronnie. But then Ronnie fired Viv because of his uh, because of business. There were business issues, and the business we're getting businesses in here a lot, aren't we? And the business were bound to Wendy, and Viv was right in what happened and what he believed in, because in a nutshell, we were promised the moon and it didn't happen. So that's basically what happened, and that leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And it's like, okay, yeah, fine, I get it, absolutely, and you got fucked over, but ultimately. Sooner or later, there's so much water under the bridge, you forget why you're angry with somebody and you just have to let shit go. You really do. It doesn't, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, um, well, then again, we do, we like it when people don't let shit go, don't we? We love it. We love a good fucking, we love a good feud in public, people slagging each other off. It doesn't happen so much now. It used to happen fucking loads. Now, as soon as somebody gets pulled up on something, um, they just go, oh, it was either taken out of context or they or they were cracking a joke and people found it distasteful. So then they're all apologetic about, oh, I'm sorry if anyone's offended and all that. Nobody, you know, everybody walks their comments back. That's the latest phrase. Fucking hell, I hate that. Hey, don't you? And really, I don't fucking care whether you do or you don't. Walk back your comments. It's re- it's, it's just in there, isn't it? With, with the word content, and I use it all the time now, and I hate myself for it, but I fucking do, right? It's up there with content, isn't it? And walking back, walking back in your comments and thrown under the bus and shit like that. You know, walking back your comments. Hey, inject bleach. <laughs> Fuck off, you stupid cunt. Anyway, um, but you know what I mean? It, it, it's, just, it's just one of those phrases that just fucking boils my... It's, it really fucking does. Walking back comments. It's like you're not walking them back, are you? What happened to exp- what happened to just simply saying, "Oh, I'm, they're explaining what they said, explaining what they meant." Okay, no, no, no. But you have to point out that somebody is climbing down from a previous position just to fucking get the just to get the message home. As we get fucking dumbed down even more. As I saw recently, um, this was a, a, a friend of mine making the documentary for the BBC, used the word saliva, and they had to change it to spit. They changed the word in the script from slit, saliva to spit because not enough people would know what saliva is. What the fuck? Are you fucking serious? If you're listening to this and you don't know what saliva is, yeah? I spit on you. There you go. You're fucking up to date now, eh? You know what saliva is now? You're never going to get that confused with anything else, are you? You're never going to turn around to somebody and say, oh, what is saliva? 
you know now, don't you? I spit in your face in the word of saliva. <laughs> in the name of saliva. Fucking hell, I'm losing it. I've been home for too long. Let me out. <laughs> Look, guys, it's time to get a um, an interview going. Now, um, as you may have seen, you're getting a fair amount of content from me at the moment. Um, you're going to get long podcasts, short podcasts, but you are going to get a volume of stuff coming through. Okay. So um, this is just the one interview, but what a interview it is, even though I say so myself. Yes, it's the one, the only, Sean Killian of Violence. We had a chat. Um, this, this is an interview, for those of you that are long-time listeners, you may be aware that I was actually trying to uh, interview Sean a while ago. In fact, I might not have even, you might not even know who it was, because basically, I was in... Uh, Actually, I'm just, the story comes up in the bloody interview, so why don't I just shut up and, you know, you, you'll hear the story there. Uh, again, a little plug for Patreon. He, Sean stayed and did 35 minutes of question and answers for uh, Patreon uh, subscribers, which was fucking awesome. $5 a month, guys, if you want to sign up, that's cool. Um, ha- yeah, patreon.com forward slash Howard A. Smith. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but even more now, I have to do this because you know what? That is my only fucking income. That is it. And believe you and me, it is not much. It does not, it do, it, it, it's, it's not even 20% of my rent. But hey, I know, look, any all of you listening to this and struggling financially and all the rest of it and worried about the future, we're all in this together, guys. We're all in the same position. We're all in the same boat. So just hang on in there. We don't know what the future is going to look like. But, you know, the main thing is not getting the virus and helping not spread it. Do you know what? There we go. I was about to go into the interview talking about Sean. What sticks its fucking ugly head in yet again? Fucking COVID-19, you bastard. Hey, I must admit, I've heard some, uh, did hear, uh, I heard a great joke and it was like about Donald Trump. And he said, if, you know, if coronavirus took Donald Trump down, wouldn't it be funny? Because it was a virus that was made in China and named after a Mexican beer. (laughs) It's a joke for fuck's sake. Dear me, if he can say he was, if he can say bleach, and that whole idea was sarcasm, then I can crack that joke. Anyway, fucking hell, let's get to the interview, Howard, shall we? You good people are just dying to hear from Sean, and you're right to. Um, so here's a bit of back, a bit of backstory. Obviously, um, I've interviewed uh, Phil. Um, Cookie has been mates with. Um, uh, Perry Strickland for years. Perry wears our shirts all over the place, which is really, really cool. Um, obviously, I spoke to Phil. Phil, Phil knows us as well. Um, and so it was time to interview Sean. And as you'll hear through the course of the interview, um, yeah, uh, got on really well. Really nice guy. This was something that it means a lot to me. Uh, big violence fan, and um, you know, uh, one one of one of the early greats. I mean, you know, people talk about like you know the you know the big four and the um, and um, you know if it would be extended for another two, you know, would violence get in there? Probably not. It'd be like Exodus and Overkill and shit like that. But you know what I mean. Anyway, I'm going to shut up, shutting the fuck up now because you want to hear the interview. And you know what? So do I. And I'm sick of the sound of my own fucking voice. So here we go. Here's Sean Killian and myself having a chat a few weeks ago. Power. Hello there, Sean. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good, man. Good. Excellent. Um, are you all um, Are you all safe and well? Are you stuck indoors? No, I'm essential. So I have because uh, my uh, you know I'm a project manager for a developer, apartment developer, and we have low income housing in that development, so we're exempt from any shutdowns. 
Ah, right. Okay. So it's it's, it's just business as usual for you. Business as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Writing music, and we Phil and Perry and I meet at the studio. That's it. Just the three of us. Uh, and um, are, yeah, are you, you're still allowed to do that. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, yeah. We're we're not we're not allowed to do we're not allowed to do even that over here. Yeah. I mean, no one's stopping me. It's, it's America, you know. It's like the, the, the cops aren't going to pull you over because you're driving around here. Yeah, it's not like uh, I talked to one chick in uh, Chile, and she said at 5 p.m., man, everything shuts down. Everybody's got to be in the house, and the police are out, and that wouldn't fly here. No, that that wouldn't really work here either. Um, I think, um, yeah, that's a bit too that's a bit uh, too much like martial law. It is. And then I was messaging a chick in Argentina. She said in Buenos Aires. She said the same thing. Yeah, mind you, you know South South America. They uh, they do they they do love um, some uh, seriously fucked up shit over there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Funnily enough, um, when I when I spoke to um, when I spoke to Phil, he said um, uh, I, I think he just had, he'd had a conversation with you about like new material, and the first thing, and, and he said the first thing I said was no political lyrics. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I and when he said that to me, I was just like, dude, I would never do that. So <laughs> good, good, and and speaking of which. Um, I'd I'd love to know from your you know from your side how this all came together. We you know we were you were you thinking about the band anyway? And 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 Phil left Machine Head and oh great an opportunity or was you know was there was there not a thought in your head and Phil leaving went hey maybe or how how did it play out from your side? From my side, it was uh, you know I went to the Killing on Command benefit and all those people showed up and. Um, you know, all those musicians played our music to raise money to help me. It was just like, <clears throat> at that time, I kind of felt like, you know, I owe, I owe these people something. So it was going to be whatever. And then Phil left Machine Head is kind of how it worked out. So I was going to do a violent show with violent songs, with uh, maybe Perry and, and Dean and maybe a couple of guitar players if Phil was still in Machine You know, I had no idea if Phil would leave Machine Head, actually. I was I was recovering when he did. Right, that must have helped your recovery. So yeah, and then I was sitting there, you know, cause, so after my surgery, you know, I was like, all that was going through my head is, you know, how could I get on stage and play live, and who would I get to play with me? And it would be one show, and maybe we'd throw in some cover tunes also, and you know, just make a good night of it, and just thank the people that you know helped me out. And then uh, that was going through my mind during my whole recoveries for six months, you know, and then Phil left Machine Head. I really didn't think much about it, you know, because I was still, um, let's see, I, I had just returned to work in October. Right. So you were fully, and, you were fully focused on just getting back to normal and li- normal life. Pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, then he got, he went out with Slayer, which that was cool. And, you know, he and I talked when he was in Machine Head occasionally, you know, because we, I mean, we're friends. So, and, uh, we would talk about different stuff and, um, I had a sense that he was he was not happy, but I you know I don't I wouldn't push him for something like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I could sense it was just like 
Yeah. Like, like he felt, he didn't seem like uh, he was happy to me. When, when we brought up, you know, hey, so how's business? How's the tour? How's he, how you doing? Because I would always ask those questions, you know? Yeah. And just to see how it's going and how these guys were doing and, you know, what's up. And and at the time, and that was before my surgery, I was, um, when I talked to him. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed like when, we, when I brought up that subject, he kind of, I could tell his mood changed a little bit. I'm all, hey, here's the bright side. You can go golfing when you want. You can do shit you want to do, you know. And uh, so then in October, I went back to work. And like you said, I was just focused on getting back to normal. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was January when I sent him a text. And, uh, yeah, I mean, have you been surprised by how quickly everything's kind of taken off? Or at least from an outsider looking in, it seems to have gathered pace quickly. Yeah, I am. I mean, really, I just was, we were planning on doing the one show, and then we got the offer for Alcatraz Festival, and it was like, you know, shit, we haven't been to Europe, we might as well do that. And, and then, you know, uh, the sec, uh, we did a couple shows with Sacred Right, that popped up, and just stuff started popping up. And then uh, Phil was kind of dealing with stuff back, you know, the, the, any bookings and, sh- and those kinds of things back when we first got going. And then uh, it just got a lot for him, so I just took it all over. You know, so I do all logistics and, you know, the airfare and all that. And then I, people come to us, you know. Yeah, yeah, so very get, much so. Yeah, like I got an email. You know, we're going to play Santiago, Chile, and September. And so someone from uh, a promoter from Peru sent me an email, Lima Peru, saying, hey, you know, if you're going there, maybe I can put a show here. And that's kind of how it's been working out, you know. Yeah, wow. So it's, um, so it's, I would imagine it's taking up a lot of your time then. It takes up a lot of my time, but that's okay. I, I, you know, my job is uh, pretty busy and I have a lot to do at work. But um, when I leave work, because I've been doing it for so long, when I leave work, I leave work. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, okay. I'm not down for sitting around watching freaking TV. So, um, you know, I sit down. I, I do the merchants. I, I run the merchandising, you know, the merch site, yeah. you know, selling shirts and stuff. And, yeah, I, that's that, that's that's pretty much my my role in um in my band Acid Rain. Um, in fact, we're 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 playing um, Bloodstock the day before you guys. I didn't know you were in Acid Rain. Yes, yes, I'm the singer in Acid Rain. Hey, okay, awesome! <laughs> I didn't know that. Do you know what? I should I should have probably mentioned it, shouldn't I? Um, so yeah, a, a, a fellow a fellow vocalist who yes. who over the years has been described as um, uh, v- uh, very much love him or hate him. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dude, you're my dude. You're my excuse every 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 time someone says ah, it's the vocals, and I go, well, you know, violence, you know. <laughs> So uh, I'm I'm more than happy to use you as a as a get out clause every time. Oh, every time. And do. I mean, you've got such a. I, I'm sorry if this is like the the wankiest question ever, but um, it, you know, where does your style come from? Have you got any idea? Did you just open your mouth and that's what happened? And yeah, it is. Well, you know, I um, you know, when I was going to try out for these guys, they gave me the lyrics and I was like, oh, geez, I ain't fucking singing this crap. So then I, it started with me writing my lyrics and figuring out vocal line patterns to go up with the music, and then I just went in, and that's how it sounded. I, 
have any kind of concept of what it, what I would sound like. I just think that I like a lot of fast pace, you know, and you know, punk rock kind of. And um, I listen to EDH, Fear, other band, other punk bands as well as metal. So it was kind of like that. I just felt like I wanted to get a, a lot of message out in a short amount of time. <laughs> That's just kind of how it came out. Yeah, do you know what? I, that's that is. I I totally recognise that. Um, I totally recognise that kind of musical journey. You know, Dead Kennedys were my were my sort of gateway punk band into Descendants, who were you know incredibly melodic and like myself. But um, uh, I recognise that that kind of. I, I I love I love spitting words and get and you know just getting that unique rhythm within a song. Um, go on. Spitting words, that's a great saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, I mean, uh, well, we, we recorded our, our first album for 29 years, um, and uh, two years ago, actually, I think now. Um, but um, I, was, I just used to listen to Eminem all the way into the studio because okay. it was just, yeah. it was it's like the, you, you'd just be listening to things and going, gee, you know, right, there's the bar. <laughs> yeah, rap god. Oh, it's just insane, isn't it? I love this shit, man. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. He's a really, really big fan. Um, seen him a few times live, and he's just, you know, he, he delivers. Absolutely delivers. And he's been at the top for a decade. I mean, in such a competitive, you know, genre, he's he's still number one. He is because he is who he is. He's not some fake. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, he's genuine. Um, he was the the biggest selling solo artist in the world between tw- two thousand and two thousand and ten. Insane, absolutely insane. But um, anyway, look, let's let's you know, fuck Eminem. Let's get back to you. Um, <laughs> um, I, one question, fan question that I have to ask, and that is, um, calling in the coroner. Is that based on anyone you know, a job you had, a movie, or, or was it just just came fell out your head one day? I was sitting there watching it in the media, and there was some, you know, like, uh, guy went psycho and killed his family or whatever, and the coroners were bringing the bodies out from the, you know, on the news. They were showing the footage of that, and that just kind of rung a bell in my head. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? That'd, that'd be a good song. <laughs> that'd be good lyrics. So, you know, uh, and then I just kind of, you know, I've got, a, I've got a twisted mind, so when I write lyrics, it's like I try to, make him as real as possible and kind of paint a picture and put someone in that situation, you know, put you in that, the reader or whoever's listening into that, you know, environment mentally, you know, so it's always got to be, you know, what I saw. So what I saw, you know, these cats in suits and ties and they're carrying out, you know, wheeling out the bodies and putting them in the, the van and that kind of just, that's all kind of came from that, you know. Uh, well, I, I made that made a big impression on me as a as a as a kid, as a you know a, a, somebody who was also in a band and a front man and writing lyrics and stuff like that. And I just remember the first time like hearing that and reading the lyrics and everything. I was just like, it just blew my mind. I've got to tell you, absolutely awesome. Um, oh man, it well, it was. It was just yeah. It was it it was kind of um. Uh, I, it's not it's not something I a topic that I'd ever kind of think about or consider writing lyrics about but sometimes you, you when you hear something like that it just sends you off in a different direction do you know what i mean uh-huh. 
So when yeah. you, you, you know you just go off on a ta- you know it, it, you don't you don't you don't you, you get inspired by something, but what comes from that can be completely different. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm always searching for different subjects, you know, for different. Topics. You know, uh, you know, I can go by flames. <laughs> That's like, I, you know, about human internal human combustion. You know, I got, yeah. I start, you know, it just popped into my head. Oh, yeah, and I started looking into it, and it just spawned lyrics. Just the perfect, you know, it's a subject to to perfectly get lyrics out of. You know, to figure out, you know, because there's so much there. Yeah, I I remember um I remember reading about uh, I think it was in Kerrang that you were working on the album and that one of the songs was Engulfed by Flames was about spontaneous combustion and me and my best mate who were both huge violence fans, um, uh we we we, we were both straight on the phone to each other going like that song's gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah straight away. I want live. I want to play it live. I don't you know, I gotta get Phil. I gotta convince Phil to play it live. Oh yeah, man! And it's got—it's a nice, like, it's a nice little mid-pace kind of break for everybody to just get their breath back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the—that's that's the big—that's the big one, isn't it? Um, Need that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, especially these days. I've found that out over the last few years. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, what? I, as regards new material, you mentioned you were you you were kind of working on it at the moment. Are you are you just you still are you whereabouts? would you say you are in the writing of the EP? Uh, so we've got uh, two songs that, um, it's the whole primary foundation there. We have everything. We just need to put little bits and pieces. So we're always, we, we like, we'll be in the studio. Phil start dropping down some, some riffs and pair and, you know, he'll tell Terry, this is how I want you to play the drums and, da, 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 and then we'll go through it and into different changes. And then, um, I always record in, at practice. I just keep it running, and then when they finally get it figured out, you know, then we go back to the front of the tape and try to record it. And, um, so we'll work on that one day, like maybe a whole practice, you know, two, two and a half hours, and then I'll take that home, and then I'll sit with my headphones and my little, it's a little Zoom 24 that I got, and um, I'll just plug in and listen and try to get, you know, figure vocal patterns and, and right over the top of it. And it's been, so we've got that pretty much done on two songs and so now it's just like little well hey let's extend this one break and let's do this thing and this leads break you know little breaks and changes that were that we kind of find yeah the, the fine tuning yeah it's tough for Perry because we're all Phil and I are always changing shit all <laughs> <laughs> oh, right okay so who's who, who has who has sign off who's going to say right look let's stop fucking about with that that's done uh, we kind of it's just it's mostly you know Phil and I talking and figuring stuff out. Uh, you know I I I can play guitar, but I don't, I couldn't play guitar with Phil. Phil he's a riff machine. He just riffs like tore out of the dude. So it's like then it's a matter of structuring them to get you know putting them together. And, and he and I we we collaborate a lot on that stuff right there. You know that those changes and how to throw in some breaks. But you know he writes the riffs and. We'll like throw one out right there at practice and come up with a riff and then together we'll kind of talk about, well, maybe fill this extra note here or maybe a different note, you know, same pattern, just a different note, you know. Those kind of conversations take place and and then have the lyrics, then then we'll go through the lyrics, 
usually with you know parody involved, and then we'll be playing the song, and I'll try to sing along. Of course, yeah, you know, it is when you you write lyrics one day and you're in the studio the next, and it's like Jesus Christ, I don't even know what I wrote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. These words coming out of your mouth for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to suck, you're trying to read them and them and and you know do your uh, pattern and fucking get the. You really can't play with it until you have it memorized. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's a process and it's been good and and Phil and I've really been jiving and it's open. You know, no one's there going, oh no, I want it to be like this or you know, everything is on the table. So yeah, so it's uh, it's, it's ba- isn't it strange that you know. Uh, we're still having the same conversations that we were having when we were teenagers in our early twenties, you know, breaking, yeah. riff, breaking riffs down and, you know, no, don't do that. Do this. Yeah, exactly. Except back then we were young and, and, and arrogant. We're young, arrogant. We had hair, we had opinions on everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, were we going to get them out there? Um, uh, you, um, I, I I I'm, I have um I've been told well I've been told there's a there's, there's a I think it's a three or a four part violence special podcast um, by a friend of mine called No Friend of the Thrash Metal Show dot com which is um, a podcast by a guy called No Friender and it's like a four part violence special it's great if you ever if you ever wondered uh, what happened back in the day listen in and it'll rem- <laughs> and it'll fill in all the gaps for you it's that detailed. Um, and um, he was saying a story that um, on one, uh, recording on one of the albums, the label was keen to try and get you to sing more. Um, is that is that just uh, you know is that true? Did that really happen? And and if so, how how did you feel about it? So, not the game working when we finished Press of the Masses. Then we started working on the whole grunge thing was going on, and there was a lot of pressure to you know not be as hardcore as we are, you know. And so, well, you know, we can't understand the lyrics, and you sing too fast, and da 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 and this is going out, and we wanted something different. And so, you know, as kids, young, I mean, you know, you're like, well, fuck, I just want to write music, and so if we don't do this, then we're going to lose our con- our label, and we're not going to have a record. And, and they kind of just feel that pressure. And with the social media and everything's digital, and... You know, you don't need as much to get to, to create. You know, and so um, there's no. You know, we were like in seven album deals and five album deals. You know, with mechanics and then with Megaforce and those days, I would never do that again. So it's like that whole Nothing to Gain album was really in, pushed and forced on us to kind of go that direction. Yeah, and there's good songs there, but I w- I would have much rather. Uh, I'd like if I recorded it again. If we recorded it again, it would be a lot heavier. We'd probably pick up the bass. We'd probably use a, you know someone else to produce it, obviously, because the mix is horrible. But um, you know, in the press and the masses, when we submitted those lyrics to Mechanics Records, they went back and Steve. Uh, uh, I think matters if I remember his name or not. Um, <laughs> uh, he. Uh, he rewrote the lyrics, you know, and he called me at, at home. Oh, you know, I got your lyrics and we went through them, but, you know, they need to be a little more grammatically correct. And... Oh, hang on. Was it Steve Sinclair? Steve Sinclair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me. And so then he's all, well, you know, I, you know, I kind of 
messed with your lyrics a little bit and wrote some stuff. I'm, if you don't mind, you know, I'd like to read it to you. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'd love to hear that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just say, just say, yeah, I could do with a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, he had gone through so many lyrics. I mean, like probably five songs that he rewrote and stuff. And it was just like, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, yeah. And then hung up the phone and called Debbie Bono and said, well, you're you, you, you wouldn't imagine what just happened. <laughs> I told her and she fucking was pissed. Oh, Matt, that's, that's, that's somebody else who we've got, we've got in common. Um, yeah, Debbie was, um, uh, I used to see her every time she came over to the UK. She was just an absolutely, just a love, a lovely woman. Yes, she was. Wasn't she? She was just, she was, she was everybody's mum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She would go on tour with us. Yeah, well, I, 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 I know I, I met her when I think she was, she was on tour with Forbidden. She was on tour with a, quite, a, quite a few acts. And um, she used to, yeah, I used to see her. I mean, I'm over here in London and she'd be, yeah, she was, a, she was quite a kind of regular over here. Yeah. Well, uh, her, she, uh, her, her family uh, founded this uh, bank chain, Mechanics Banks, and so she was pretty well off. And so she didn't really have to work. Because she had her inheritance, so she, she would just—that—that that was her thing. She loved to deal with, you know, be around the bands, and she liked the music and liked the kids, and really helped us a lot, you know. Because we are—we were just kids. I yeah. Mean, you're, not you're not a fucking adult in twenty twenty-one. You don't know shit. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, still not an adult now at forty-nine. Um, <laughs> but um, so, but I mean, were you, were you ever able to look Steve Sinclair in the face again without laughing? I never saw him again. She, <laughs> she got off the label because we refused to do anything he wanted us to do from there on. Yeah, I mean that is just that. That's I, I, and people people listening to this will be will be just. You know, no matter how many stories you hear about the music business and think, oh, that's probably exaggerated. Oh, that can't be true and stuff like that. It's like when you when when you actually hear it from the people involved, it is quite staggering what goes on. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and especially back then because you know you were beholden to the label. I mean, you couldn't. You were like, you, they sign you for your album and then you put it out and then you write another album in that same vein, and they'd be like, no, we don't want that anymore. That's like. Well, who the fuck did you think you signed? You know. Yeah. You know, we're not the band up to make us. We're violent, and so when I left the band after uh, Nothing Again, actually, Phil and I we wrote um, those Torch songs uh, again and Shooter and um, and uh, Breathe Like Rats, and there was another one I wrote with Ray, um, kind of a punk sounding song, uh, but. Um, after that, I just was like, you know, I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this business, and I need to make money. And did you? Um, yeah, did you? Did you demo those songs? Yes, we did. I thought yeah. so. I've heard. I've heard the demos. Yeah. What you think? I like them. I thought it was. I, I I preferred it to the nothing to gain stuff. Yes. Well, because at that point, I was like, fuck everyone. I could give a shit about anyone's opinions, and this is what I'm going to do because this is who we are, and. Um, so those kind of came out, you know, honest, that, that those three songs are, when you listen to that demo, you can, you can feel the intensity. Yeah. In, in, in the vocals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> so was that, was that the, was that the last time you were in the studio? Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. So so you've got that you've got that to look forward to when you put this uh, EP together then. Uh, can't wait. Yeah, man. It's um it'll it'll, it'll feel like it'll feel like get you know getting on a bike, you know, riding a bike. It's like you, you just get in and do it, don't you? Especially with you know, when Phil and I talked about this, it was just like, look, I don't want nothing to gain to be the last thing I recorded. So, um, you know, I got so much more in me right now, and uh, I'm way more centered. And you know, my voice, I've got control over it. And you know, because back then it was just like trying to scream and be the loudest and blah blah blah. And yeah. now it's like, you know, you figure it out. And now it's yeah. So these songs. Gonna, yeah. Gonna well, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older now. You know, we recorded, like I said, fairly recently, and and it's a completely different experience. And for all the bad reviews that I used to get back in the day, I, it, you know, this new album has has made up for it because I know what I'm fucking doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Know what you're doing. <laughs> like, yeah. Go write an album. Fucking record an album and you're like twenty. It's like okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Last album I recorded, I was nineteen. Oh my god. Next out, al- next album I record, I'm forty nine. <laughs> yeah, I think I was. Uh, that's classic. <laughs> I think I was. Uh, shit, I might have been twenty eight when we recorded Nothing to Gain. Right. Okay. So yeah. Well, hence you gave it a really good go, but at that age you really are looking around. Like other people that you know and your own situation, and thinking, yeah, I can't be doing this. Not just that; it's just like I can't do this with this industry too. I just, yeah, they won't. They will never allow us to do anything that we want. You know, the people we were working with, which is probably, uh, which is our own fault. We made those decisions, you know, to go with MCA. We could have gone with Combat, you know. Um, We could have gone with some other labels that were more in tune with what we were doing. But you know, like I said, we were stupid punk kids. you don't think straight and one offers you a bunch more money and you're like ooh money <laughs> 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 but none of it's yours <laughs> yeah it's it, well it, yeah it's like that it's like it's like being with any record label I often have the discussion with musicians about you know how you know you you, the, you know you think you're told oh the label are paying for that and of course you, they're not because it's recoupable so you're paying for it yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and that's, you know, this, so this deal we got with uh, Metal Blade is, is a great deal because, you know, Brian came to see us at the Psycho Fest, and uh, he was just straight up, like, he talked to Phil and was like, yeah, well, let's, let's work together, you know, period. There was no, yeah, let's work together, and, you know, da, 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 maybe we could do this, or it, it was just like, hey, dude, here's, here's the simple deal, let's sign it, and let's do this, you know. Hasn't heard any of new music from us. Hasn't heard anything from us. Just based on, you know, he knows Phil, right? From yeah, Phil's been in head writing music for a long time, so he knows he's talented, right? And, and the cool thing about violence is he's free; he can write. You know, it's a it's a liberating experience, I think, for him. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's he's not going to turn down any of his own riffs. No, and it's and it's his. It's our project. You know, it's like his and mine, and that's just kind of how, that's how it started. I mean, you know, Troy wrote some riffs, you know, before Rob was in the band, Troy wrote some riffs. I mean, Rob only wrote Calling in the Corner on the first album. 
Right. And then uh, a lot of the other stuff was written by Troy and, you know, Phil wrote the majority of it. And uh, then I wrote all the lyrics. So it's kind of back to that, you know. Um, and, and, and what sort of what sort of relationship um, do you have with Rob, if, if you have one at all? Um, I talk to Rob occasionally. And, uh, you know, I'm cordial with the guy. I, I don't have a problem with Rob. I, I didn't go through, you know, him being a machine head like Phil did and the yeah. things that they, that's their business and not mine. And so, you know, but I talk to him occasionally. Yeah. You know, he helped out benefit and he helped out. He made some shirts that helped raise money. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Funnily enough, we were we were supposed to talk about oh god, probably about two, three years ago. Um, I was emailing with your your wife. Uh, forgive forgive that phrase because it yeah that didn't come out right. <laughs> um, but I was given her email address and and uh, and sort of emailed her basically about the chance of getting um, an interview um, with you. And um, you were really really busy with work at the time. And I think we you know we swapped emails. She gave me yours eventually and said like yeah you know you know you said get in touch. I think I emailed you a few times, but I'm. Um, you know, being that I'm in a band myself as well, I, I tend not to send a ton of emails, you know. I'll send a couple, a third if, yeah. I, if I have to. Because, you know, it, if you've sent three emails and someone doesn't reply, you don't need to send a fourth. Yeah, I, I was pretty sick then too, man. Yeah. About three years ago? Um, well, no, it was, it was before you got sick, so it was long ago then. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. then I was like, this is, I didn't really... <laughs> she was the one like, Oh, this one people they want to interview. I was like, man, I'm just a dad and I work. I, I'm not in a band. I'm just me, you know. It was just kind of the way I, I've been the last 15 years. With you know, because we got together for uh, Thrash of the Titans, we did some shows, Phil and I, and then he joined Machine Head. And I just went about my life, and so and it's probably not that I was ignoring you specifically. It was more about <laughs> musician, so I didn't think really I have much to say. So. Yeah, no, and and I, yeah, I, I get that, you know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I left the band in '91, and I, I've been doing, I've been doing stand-up comedy for 25 years. Um, awesome. So yeah, so I'm, so I'm more, uh, you know, I've, I've actually spent longer in comedy than I have in music. Um, but it, but it seems to be, it seems to be that, you know, after all these years, it's the music that I'm known for, and, and because, you know. Um, we 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 were there at a you know a very early stage in the development of what is now a, you know a genuinely accepted genre you know back when back when thrash was coming out people forget yeah. that you know there was heavy metal and there was hard rock that was fucking it yeah two genres yeah. two genres not like two hundred like there is now or two thousand yeah um, yeah there was Black Sabbath and there was freaking you know. Um, Leonard Skinner or whatever. It's like yeah, you, you have know, the yeah the new Sabbath, wave. Sorry, go on. Black Sabbath, heavy metal, Leonard Skinner, kind of rock and roll, you know, and and yeah. But then when metal, you know, for me, Venom, I would have to say. I mean, I don't go. I'm not a historian of metal. Trust me. But for <laughs> me, it was Venom. When I heard Venom, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. What the fuck are those guys doing? Cliff, I went to school with Cliff, high school with him, and so um, 
and I was like, oh, cool, yeah, none seems sound good. What, what the fuck's that about? And I got the album and was like, wow, it's pretty goddamn good, you know? And then Show No Mercy and, you know. Yeah, same same journey, same journey all of us went on back in those days because there was, and it was the same journey because there was so few albums out there to, to get. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, Raven, like, you know, when we did uh, Pressing the Masses, uh, oh, what's the drummer's name? He was the engine, he was, uh, uh, he was um, Alex Perry Alice's engineer. Oh, and I wish I could remember his name. Remember he wore the hockey helmet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, shit. Oh, I can't remember his name. It'll probably it'll probably come to me like in you know like ten fifteen minutes or something. I'll just like jump out there. Um, yeah, he'll be on the toilet and be like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or in the middle of the night, I'll just sit bolt upright. That's the dude. Um, um, so um, I I never realised that um, that that you went to school with Cliff. That's um, that yeah. I mean, that must have been a horrendous time. It was. It was horrible. It was because you know. They were doing so well. So when they would come to town and ride the lightning, Masters of Puppets, he would always call me, hey, man, you want to do roadie for me? He's like, fuck yeah. So I was there uh, for a couple of their shows, you know, roadie for him. And we had a good time. He'd come over to the house all the time. And, you know, we, we grew up in Castor Valley, and there'd be backyard barbecue parties and beer drinking. And he'd, like Yaz would be there. You know, Yaz, he was in Heathen. And, and uh, you know, just other musicians and we'd just be back there and start into a jam and you know let's be right there playing bass with Yaz would be playing guitar and a couple other guys and so and it was like first time I saw him play bass it was in the high school uh courtyard it was before trauma I believe and uh yeah he did uh you know um uh bass solo and it was just like I was like holy shit what the fuck is this so I immediately, after they were done, walked up and I was like, man, that was fucking awesome. I'd never heard anything like that, you know. And, and we kind of hit it off and, you know, hung out hung out together occasionally. And, you know, I, we, they played up here with, they, they opened, or they supported Y&T at the Sacramento Arena. And uh, it was Cliff and Jimmy Martin and I, we drove up to, to the show and I wrote it for him that night. You know, that was a crazy, crazy night. <laughs> So you, so you, I mean, at, at what age would you have met? Uh, so he was a senior and I was a junior. So yeah, I was like 17, early, early, my birthday's in July, so early 17 and he was 18. And how, um, so obviously not in Metallica yet, how uh, that just happened a few years later? Yeah, yeah. I think he went from what? At high school performance to trauma, and then from there to Metallica. Right, yeah, yeah, and um, and um, and yeah, a bass player worth moving across the country for. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so when he passed, it was just kind of like how it happened too. It's just so tragic, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, uh, well, I I gave him I gave him um, our. Um, our very very first demo, which was shit, um, but um, I gave I gave him our very first demo um, when they were playing in the UK on the Master of Puppets tour, and that was six days before the crash. And um, wow. yeah, I I remember going to school and finding out and just being like bereft. I didn't know what to do. Yeah, and you know, to... yeah, we... sorry, go on. 
Yeah, we were sitting around my house, you know, a bunch of us in Castor Valley and just like drinking beer and just listening to music, you know, just kind of sitting there staring at each other. Like, what the fuck, you know, how sad it was. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it, it's it's one of those things that's just stuck. It's like there's there, there's Randy Rhodes, there's Cliff, you know, yeah. the, those two for me in the world of metal really, really stand out as just being geniuses at what they do and taking before their time. Can you imagine the two of those guys on stage? No, oh, don't. That's just, yeah, that's just rude. <laughs> Um, so what do you think, um, what do you think, uh, just dodging about all over the map here, um, time, timeline, time-wise, what do, what do you reckon you will end up in the studio, you know, by time-wise, ideally, once you've got your songs together? Well, um, we're working a lot now because we're not practicing for any tours or any shows or anything, so, yeah. but, um, I, you know, I, I couldn't say it, it's, it's kind of like, we're making progress, and I think that will start to we'll get more progress as we keep writing. I mean, to have these two songs, we really just started in, geez, February maybe, early, late February. All right, it's really early, early doors then, really early doors. Yeah, but to throw out two tunes in that short amount of time, you know, and I, I, I have one a song that I've written lyrics for, I just need to acapella in the studio so that Phil can hear it and... We'll try that. See, see how that approach works. Attach a riff to it, you know. Are you um? Are you finding the your uh, are the lyrics that you've written so far? Are you still coming from that um that dark kind of off kilter place, or has being a dad kind of mellowed you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, I I've asked you a proper question, like a journalist. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, that that's that's great. That clears up that clears up any doubt in anyone's mind listening to this. I'm not sticking to any kind of formula other than evil, mean, and nasty. <laughs> great. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, the man who wrote Paraplegic is still sick as fuck. Excellent. <laughs> that's that's what everybody wants to hear, man. Um, and I, 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 I mean, I. Presumably as well, it's been a nice surprise that coming back, no matter, everything's, you know, as you said, gathered pace quite quickly. But uh, whilst you've been away, your band's got a lot bigger. It has. <laughs> I know, it's weird, isn't it? Shit happens, you do nothing for like tens of years and then and then you come back and it turns out you, you're much bigger. Yeah, it's amazing. What's crazy is when we played in April at home, you know, in Oakland, the first two shows, I was surprised at all these kids that, and they weren't there because their parents were into it. They were there because they found us on YouTube or social media or Spotify or they were listening to some other band and our uh, suggestion popped up for us and they listened to it. And, you know, so it's kind of like uh, it's this whole, you know, information era has really kind of helped us. Yeah, I know. I I know what you mean because when we, when you said when I was trying to chase you for an interview before and you were like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy. And I, I I understand I understand that mindset because this, I had the same experience you did where you it's like when you leave a band or you leave the business. I you know I I left the band in '91 and that was it. It was done. It was forget. And so as far as I'm concerned, nobody else is listening to the band either. Um, and then you forget that like 
people can discover your music because it's out there to discover. And they, yeah. and they can be any age. It doesn't matter. No. And it's crazy. Everywhere we go, it's like young kids. And, you know, they're like, oh, I never thought I'd see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe, uh, you know, b- believe it or not, believe it or not, um, I think we're, we are what's described as legacy bands. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm... I'm I'm kind of proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. I keep hearing podcasts or whatever. It's always legendary violence. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. That 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 cracks me up. I think I think any use of I think any worse use of the L word uh, as regards yeah. individuals or bands. I always feel like, do you know what? I'd know if I was a fucking legend. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be living where I'm living, doing what I'm doing if I was a legend. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm fortunate too. I have a really good job. So, yeah, I have a career. I, I built a career, you know, this whole time. So. Hey, I, I like the, uh, I like the unintentional pun there. You built a career in construction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're stealing my job from me. Stealing, oh, this is, this is terrible. I am pretty witty, I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that now you see, that's the right way round. It's when you go around telling people that you're witty, that's when you're not witty. Yeah, definitely that is something you need to be told. Um, so, um, you're, yeah, you're, you're getting to play all over the world as well. Did you, I mean, did you get outside of the US with the band originally? No. Well, we got to Canada and Mexico, but that was it. Right. And so, and so now you're getting to be a world traveler. Yeah, it's great. I, I mean, um, it, I can't wait to go to Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> it's going to be killer. Yeah, you, you guys, know? didn't you guys have to put that off? Yeah, the, so the Japanese promoter, he, did, he wasn't able to get his guy. He hired a guy to get the visas, and then the guy just took too long for one. And then when he did get us the, the, the documents, it was just like uh, Bobby... Bobby didn't have a work visa, and neither did uh, Dave Plain. And so it's like, well, we can't come over there. We, you know, we talked to the guy in, in Australia, and uh, he's like, look, Australia, you know, it's attached to your passport. So when you go to Japan, if he doesn't have a work visa and they scan his passport, they're going to see he has one in Australia. So if you, that could cause you a serious problem in Japan. You know, they're going to be going, why do you have a work visa in Australia three days from now? And what are you doing here? You know. Yeah, and it's just that that that's the day that is the danger of any of uh, of any of that kind of that part of the world, if you like. Yeah, and so then you know, then they confront Bobby, and he's carrying his guitar case. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I'm just here to visit. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, um, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. And um, so Bill Ryan and I talked, and it was just like. Hey, they're like, we don't want to do it. We don't want to put Dave at risk. And I was like, dude, if you ain't doing it, we ain't doing it because I don't want to see Bobby get in trouble. I, you know, I want to make make it, but I want to make it right. And so the promoter, I mean, he worked hard to get us there, and it was it was set up nice. It's just he relied on someone else for the visas, and that guy let him down big time. Yeah, and, and the thing, I mean, visas. I mean, that's like you know, that's what it's all about. No visa, no show. Exactly. So, kind of sucked, but we would have been back. Well, uh, we would have been back. 
right before the whole pandemic thing erupted. Ah, right, okay. Um... March. I would have, well, the 7th of March. We would have been back the 7th of March. Yeah, you'd have just missed it, yeah. Oh, that sucks, man. I mean, and and as a band, presumably, um, you're well. As you said earlier, you're, you're kind of managing the band, and presumably, you're thinking, well, you couldn't have, you couldn't do a worse job than anybody else has done so far. Oh hell no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I don't want to pay someone that I'm gonna have to make a baby with, and just like you know, and and if you have a good manager like Exodus has a great manager, but, you know, she ain't cheap. <laughs> and we don't make, you know, we're out touring and, you know, bankrolling money. We're, you know, we're, we're making money every day to, you know, be able to do that. And so, you know, I have a booking agent that helps me out. Um, heavy Talent, um, Aaron, he's an agent that works for Heavy Talent for me. And he got us on that Domination Festival. You know, his, and, and kind of when we talked, I was just kind of like, well, you know, we don't want to, we're not touring bands, so, but we want to do festivals and we want to do, cool shit you know on weekends and and so uh he helps me with that which is nice he gets 10 percent. but once he books it i can book it i mean right i i get the internet why do i need someone to book airfare for me yeah 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 i yeah. got all everybody's passports i got everybody's you know known traveler numbers and all that crap and their miles on united and american and all these other airlines and you know, we have miles you know programs yeah and i Honestly, it's easy. Yeah, and the thing is, as well, is you know it's been done, and you know it's all been done right. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you've after, after having that visa experience as well. That's that's gonna suck. And I know I'm getting the best one, the best price for us, and the best deal. Like you know, we were going to Mexico City from SFO one way or two round trip, but it was nonstop. You know. It, you, you let someone else book that for you, and you're stopping. Hell, when we went to Mexico City in October, um, the eight, the book, the 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 uh, promoter booked everything. We had to stop in Guadalajara and go through customs there. And my God, what a fucking nightmare! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not where I choose for a weekend away. It's like, hey, man, can can't you transfer us into states where we can go through customs when we get to Mexico City? Not in this little shit airport where you got a six foot wide gate and everyone's funneling into it. <laughs> oh man. It sounds like, it sounds like a meat market. Oh, it was, it was horrible. We were staying, but you know, we had our guitar, the guys had their guitars and stuff and they're just like, guitar out, making a lane. <laughs> Look out everyone, we're coming through. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's every man for himself in that situation. It is. It is every man. It was like, kind of, tragic we almost did we almost missed our plane well i i mean hopefully um uh, you, you know your travel arrangements are going to be a little s smoother once all of this shit passes by Yeah, it's not ideal, is it, for a, from a, a turnover point of view? Um, no. Look, I, I, again, I'm I, I apologise because I'm dodging about all over the map because, well, you know, there's there's always something that I think, God, oh, God, ask him that. Um, um, when when did you hear that paraplegic was going to be was going to be dropped off a pressing? Uh, 
Oh, it wasn't paraplegia, it was torture tactics. Sorry, torture tactics, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah, the uh, thing is, I, I had I had one of those mechanics uh, demos. You know the cassette? Uh-huh. Mechanic put out those um, those cassettes yeah. of your original demo. Yeah, I had one of those over here. Nice. I got no idea how the hell that made it made its way all the way over here. I don't know where I got it from, but um, yeah, yeah. And um, so I, so anyway, yeah, I remember paraplegic. But yeah, when did when did you hear? And and you know, was it the label? Was it Debbie? How did it happen? It was Atlantic Records. We had a date, and it, we, it was like maybe less than a month away. And then they decided the torture tactics was too vile for them, and they didn't want it on the records. At the same time, they're signing two live crew, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And they're just touting how, oh yeah, we're born free speech, and, but not a, don't look over here, don't look behind the curtain, because there we have violence, and we can't let them out. <laughs> It's the thing is it's it's insane because it's like they they made they by doing all of this they drew attention they drew a whole load of attention to your album it wouldn't it wouldn't have received from a load of media sources. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of interviews, and you know it's like uh, it wasn't Megaforce, you know they were they they were just as upset as we were. I mean, but you know their deals with Atlantic and Atlantic made the decision, and you know that's kind of their beholden to Atlantic because they're in contract with them. But I, I remember I remember a T-shirt at the time, twenty thousand albums destroyed. So um, I mean, I'm, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get my head around is is how they end up um, actually taking the out, al- you know, taking taking the song off the album. How it, you know, if it's that if if it's that important, surely you know, some somebody says something before they start making it. Yeah, sorry about that, man. That's all. It gave me a chance to take a bite of my biscuit. <laughs> um, the, uh, so we um, we were um, yeah we were talking about the, uh, the the so you submitted the lyrics to the label and and they passed them. Yeah, and then they made the albums, and then somebody you know that whole super gore shit was going on, and then they just somebody must have brought the the attention of somebody that was an executive or whatever and they were like oh hell no you know and just like so you know that level they're like yeah how many do we make oh yeah why don't you burn those and let's start over without this it's not a big deal for them you know for us it was a big deal of course yeah and and look as a as a as a, as a lyric writer myself um i i mean i i kind of figure i know because from talking to you as long as we have now and knowing your lyrics i kind of think i know how you're going to react to this but for me uh, how do you react to being told that you're that something you've written is basically you know too sick it's not fit for public consumption was there any any element of you that was like you know uh, offended or upset by that or was it a badge of honor or i don't know how how did it you know can you remember at the time what how it made you kind of feel well i was pissed off that it got that far before that they decided that that song was not good. That's and that they and that that like I said that whole super gore and the two live crew thing, all that combined, you know, that cocktail. It was just kind of like, well, how in the fuck do you do that to us? You know. And then it was more like, yeah, <laughs> the lyrics are fucked up. You know, but 
And if that's what you want to do, fucking do it. We'll find another way to get it out. And, you know, we did. But it's just like I was more pissed than about the whole that whole fucking situation. And then as far as the lyrics are concerned, it's like, fuck them. I don't care if they like them or not. I ain't changing shit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that first question. <laughs> That's a, yeah, that that helps a lot because it, it's just I you know I, I was I was always amazed by it, by how it got so far down you know down the food chain as it were um, before somebody went actually let's not let's not put this out. Yeah, and then you know they gave they said well you know maybe you could change the lyrics a little, and it's just like fuck off I ain't doing that. Oh, and well, then Steve, Steve Sinclair pops up with his Sean Killian interpretations. Yeah, and it's just like. Uh, it would destroy the song. I mean, the whole, it was the whole, hey, fucker, do you hear call you daddy? Yeah. That part is what irritated them the most. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, but the thing, it, it, it get, but it gave everything such note, it's such a notoriety. It's like, you know, for, it, you know, Slayer have Angel of Death and you guys have Torture Tactics. Yeah. And I like playing Torture Tactics, still doesn't like playing it live. Ah, right, okay, well, that's officially on the record. <laughs> if you want to hear that song, get on to Phil. Yeah, because I don't like, I, 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 I don't dislike I Profit, I just, it's a song that I don't like playing live, but I like playing Torture Tactics, so we were, okay, well, we'll do I Profit, but I want to do Torture Tactics. <laughs> like, but now it's to the point where he's like, and we might pull back in, now we have Bobby playing guitar, you know, far more he's just a, a metal guitar player a good down picker so well that would that, that, that would be awesome um and uh yeah now on a on a pressing i've always i've always thought of of um calling in the coroner and world in a world as being two sides of the same coin am i am i mad or is there i just kind of feel like there's a sort of connection between those songs uh unintentionally right from. Yeah, that that was that was a lovely way of saying no, Howard. There's no connection. <laughs> <laughs> I I, appre- I appreciate that. Well, that's the great thing about music. Howard is like it doesn't. It's, it's how you it. It doesn't matter what. As soon as I release it, it's yours. No, that's, it's it's out there in the world, isn't it? It's out there for people to interpret whatever they want. It's mine until I say, okay, I can stand behind this. This is it. I'm. Locking the fucking door on this song and moving on to the next one. Once yeah. I do that, and then it's there, it's yours. It's like, for however, because I like, especially now the lyrics I'm writing, it's like I'm trying to, you know, create this, like, like you're, in, like you're in the, like you're, the, I don't know what to fucking say. It's like you're, um, I'm painting a picture in your mind, like you're seeing something with your mind, like you can listen to the song. Yeah. You know the lyrics, close your eyes, and you can imagine yourself there. Like, and But it's not so pointed, you know, that everything's explained for you. Yes. You know, I don't want that either. I want you to interpret it. And, you know. Absolutely. I'm, 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 well, you know, for, I, I'm, I'm the same with my lyrics. And funnily enough, I'm, having just done a load of press um, over the last six months for the album, 
um, I'm, I'm just like, surprised about the amount of times people have said, oh, right, so, you know, tell us what the lyrics are to each of the songs. And I'm like, every time having to explain that, no, there's, there's like, that's not, that's not how it works. There's, you know, whatever you think it means, it means that to you. So that's fine. Well, that question means that they haven't read the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. As as, uh, as lyricists, we just have to accept that basically the lyric video is now where we live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The back. Like, we. I told you right away. You haven't read any of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Sean, that sounds like a great place to leave it. If you could hang around for a few more minutes, I would really appreciate it because I've got some subscriber questions. Would that be okay? Awesome, man. But for now, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Howard. Got a level with you. I mean, you know, come on. You can tell, can't you? Yeah. That was one of my favourites. <laughs> that was really cool. That was really cool. Um, it's, you know, sometimes when you're doing an interview, um, there's all sorts of different, like, there's all sorts of different... Um, um, dynamics uh, that, can, that can break out. And, you know, I mean probably one of my all-time faves is a, is a James Murphy interview where, you know, that ended up being this really, really deep um, uh, interview that I wasn't expecting. With, um, with Sean, um, it, it, was, it was, I just felt totally at home, totally at home chatting to him. And I think, I think hopefully that came across. I know I've, I've uh, obviously I've got some close friends who are violence fans, so they've they've already heard this, and um, and they and they were all like, oh wow, yeah, that was. He said it sounded like two, sounded like two friends catching up, and um, do you know what? That's how it felt. I know it sounds cheesy, but you know, fuck it, I'm I'm pretty fucking cheesy, as you know. <laughs> um, but uh, it was just so much fun. It really was. I had a just a whale of a time. Um, it was really, really good. And I got to, I mean, I got to talk to one of my favorite vocalists, one of my, um, from one of my all time favorite thrash bands. So that's just the, you know, that is, that is really fucking cool. And as you can tell, you can hear the smile on my, you can hear the smile on my face, can't you? Um, it was so much fun. It really, really was. And, um, and, you know, Sean was so generous with his time and gave some great answers for patrons, uh, for the Patreon questions as well. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, it was just, it was great. Look, I hope you enjoyed it as much as me. That's what I'm saying. All right. Um, so welcome to the kind of sort of, you know, for now, I think this might change. It might not. I don't know. But what I am going to do is keep getting you these podcasts as quick as possible. So basically this is, well, this is uh, shorter than normal, obviously, but no less important. I just want to try and give you as much content as possible. So I want to try and get out at least two podcasts um, a month. So rather than waiting to the end of the podcast and giving you everything in one podcast, is just drop them down one by one to you as and when. Um, I've got a few others all lined up and I just want to get as much content, content out there as possible. You see, there you go. Use the content. Yeah. It's in my, it's in my fucking, it's in my vernacular now. It's in my dictionary. It's in my head. I'm always saying it. Sorry. It's a bit like tuning in. I can't stop myself saying it. But anyway, um, just want to try and get as much stuff to you as and when rather than waiting and just, you know, I, look, I know, I know, I know there's nobody out here whose, you know, life is dependent on this podcast apart from mine, but, um, yeah, and you know, I know you're not like waiting for another one every so, but it, I just want to try and give you, you know, I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like just being bored of watching fucking television and, you know, you just everything, you know, it's nice to have just little bits and pieces of things that are different that pass the fucking time. So 
This is an hour and 20 minutes that we've spent together um, and hopefully you are going to be enjoying it and you are looking forward to all of the podcasts to come because there's going to be plenty. So thank you very much for your support, everyone. Really do appreciate it. Welcome to the new format. Going to get these out as soon as I can. I think I've made the point, really. I'm really fucking labouring it at the moment. Um, If you're in the UK, it's the same old message, isn't it? It's, you know, stay home, save lives, protect the NHS. Um, if you're in North America, it's um, go out on the streets, demonstrate that you can't, that uh, you really need a haircut. Um, that's a joke. It's not aimed at everybody in North America. But frankly, when you see people, when you see people at a pro- at a lockdown protest with a banner that says "I need a haircut," you just think, Do you know what, mate? History is not going to be kind to you. It really isn't. What did you do in the great corona pandemic, Daddy? How did you help? Uh, well, son, what I did was I, I walked around with a placard that said, I need a haircut. That's what I did. And, and how did that help? Well, I gotta be honest with you, son, it didn't. I was just a fucking selfish, dumb asshole. Hopefully you won't be. No, I won't be, Daddy. I'm gonna be the exact opposite of you, you fucking cunt. <laughs> Hopefully this is what you tuned in for. Fuck, tuned in? There it is. That's a great place to leave it. No tangents, but, uh, well, do you know what? I think this whole fucking show has been a tangent. I hope you've enjoyed it, right? I'm off to go and do my 60 minutes, 60 minutes of daily exercise after I've edited this bastard. Uh, it's lovely to speak to you guys. Take care. See you soon. It's going to end soon. The world's got to come back eventually, hasn't it? It will. It'll all be all right. Just remember, everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. What a lovely way to end the show. Thank you to my fellow podcasters, Mark Commode and Simon Mayo, for that little chunk of rather cheerful philosophy. Hang on in there, guys. Speak to you soon.